Hey gang, welcome to episode 83 of the No Persinium podcast, your guide to immersive entertainment, brought to you by listeners like you. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from Los Angeles. Today on the show, we're doing our best impression of the Witness Protection Program because we have two of the organizers of Have You Seen Jake in the Think Tank studio with us. Shout out to Think Tank downtown LA for hosting us a little bit more on the guys later. Um, yeah, we've got, we've got a couple of the organizers and because there's a metafiction around this series of shows, which has been taking place around Southern California, both in LA and in Orange County, um, we're protecting their identities. So we're only referring to them by their first initials. We're having A and K on the show and we're going to get wonky. More on that in a second. But first, we've had a lot of new listeners lately, uh, and I want to welcome you and thank you if you're returning. Uh, I know some people kind of dip in because, you know, they it's like, oh, my buddy or, you know, oh, this show that I love. And then, and then they go off and, you know, do the other thing. And that's perfectly fine. But something feels a little bit different about this one. Uh, so I want to say hi to all the new listeners. Um, yes, it's always like this. Uh, we're going to do the news and notes in a second. And uh, I'll probably have a slight rant uh, before we get into the actual show. But uh, it's a good rant. It's a happy rant. I'm, a, I'm in a good mental place right now. And I'm not sick anymore. So uh, that's that's a solid. So welcome to the show. And indeed, uh, we do this all because of you. All right. News and notes. We're going to start in Los Angeles. Why? Because I know what's going on here, like the back of my hand. Um, and the first thing is a big, I think of it as, as, a, as a big announcement. Uh, in this week's issue of the LA newsletter, it's going to come out on Saturday, the 28th. Um, and this is something that we're launching as an exclusive. So I'm really stoked about this. We helped set this up. Um, a friend from my favorite show in New York City. Um, and if you, if you know the show, you know, which, if you know this show, you know what show I'm talking about. Um, a friend from my favorite show in New York City is coming to do a creative workshop, a, a master class, if you will, in late March, uh, the 25th, to be precise. I'm going to give you that hint uh, to start thinking about that date. Um, they're going to be out here. Uh, it's a master class. Class size is going to be like really limited. And this person is one of the one of the people who keeps that company running and is just super, super great at her job. And this is just an amazing opportunity for those of us in the L.A. community to work with one of the people from New York who it just is just killing it. There's killing it all the time. I hate saying killing it, but I said it anyway because I'm short on words. I couldn't remember the word thesaurus yesterday. Let's just, let's just, let's, I'm going senile here, folks. Um, I'm so excited that we've managed to help put this together and I can't wait. And like I said, class size is going to be limited, but you're, you're gonna, you're going to want to take, you're going to want to take it. You're going to want to fight over it. We're going to have tryouts. Anyway, um, look for that in the issue this weekend. 
more great news. The key, the Speakeasy Society's first part of the Kansas collection has been extended. They've added on the Thursday before the run was supposed to start. So Thursday now is the first night of this last run of the key. The Axe, which is the second uh, chapter in the collection, is coming up just the weekend after that. Check out the newsletter for that information. That's happening next month. Uh, ABC Projects C. Cavell, that's getting announced probably like right as I'm talking. That's going to be in the newsletter. It's coming up in March. Um, there's a show from the folks who did um, uh, Grandpa Johnson is Dead. That's the Ceaseless Fun folks. It's called Why I Want to Bleep Ronald Reagan. Um, and we're not shy about curse words here. In fact, um, um, there'll be the explicit tag because I think we do some cursing. Um, but I'm just, I'm just savvy enough to know that, you know, I don't want to say, I don't want to say the F word in that sentence and then have someone like snip it out and be like, look at this guy, look what he's saying. But ceaseless fun never stops. It's right in their name. Ceaseless fun. Hello. Uh, and, uh, they're, they're bolder than I am with the name of their show. Uh, it's an immersive happening as it's framed and don't think that that's a knock. Like that's, that's how they that's how they roll um derek who is one of the creative masterminds over at ceaseless fun he's a great guy i'm i'm stoked to check out this show i really enjoyed grandpa johnson's uh well grandpa johnson's is dead anyway and uh there's there's a joke there if, if you understand the... anyway um that's coming end of february beginning of march just a one-week run uh you know with a couple traditional nights off Hey, um, we we continue to look forward. Um, the Hollywood Fringe, which is in June, um, so we can't talk about any shows that are coming up because that's really far away. But the deadline for registration, if you want to be part of the Hollywood Fringe, that's coming up on April 1st. And the reason why I mentioned it is that this year we're angling to have an immersive category in the Fringe Guide. We just need four shows that are immersive and and don't 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 try and help by throwing in a show that isn't immersive into the category just don't don't do that but i'm pretty sure we can get four immersive shows and i've talked to matt quinn who's one of the more prolific fringe producers um and who who controls some venues uh in over there um Talk to Matt Quinn this week. We're looking at holding a town hall before the registration deadline uh, all about producing immersive at the fringe. So uh, look forward to that. We're going to try and lock some dates down pretty soon. Stuff that everybody can get to. Um, last but not least, here for Los Angeles, uh, Serial Killer Speed Dating is going to be happening all month long in Pasadena at the Bunker Experience Escape Room every Friday in February, all right? Uh, our buddy Abel Horowitz, who puts on the show, uh, he's going to be on the show next week to tell us all about it, tell us about the show, how it came to be, uh, and Abel and I will have one of our famously odd discussions. <laughs> um, you'll hear, you'll, you'll know what I mean. All right, let's move on into the other newsletters. Uh, SF came out uh, today, the 27th, lots of VR-related stuff in the latest issue. As Albert does another great job digging out gems from the underground in San Francisco. The New York issue is scheduled, uh, should be coming out this Sunday. Um, you know, we've got scheduling problems with the MailChimp now because there's so many of you, which is great, but 
also causes us problems. Um, don't know. I don't know what's going in the New York issue. I, I don't I haven't seen it yet, so I'm not gonna lie to you. It's gonna be a surprise to me too. I'm looking forward to finding out what's up. I'm sure there'll be something that I'll be incredibly jealous of. Um, there always is. Um, the slack was quiet this week so far, anyway. Uh, what's the slack? You ask the slack. So we've got a slack channel. Um, and by quiet, I mean we had a, we had a pop up little thing because I I wandered into the IMAX VR on. Uh, on Fairfax across from the farmer's market slash the Grove here in LA. Cause that's part of my commute. Uh, and I saw the building and I was like, is that their headquarters or is that one of those, is that one of the things I thought was going in the IMAX lobbies? And turns out it's, it's the latter. They've, they've taken over a building and they've built, um, they, they built a VR movie theater. Essentially they've got like 10 or something, 10 or 12 pods, quote unquote, which are basically like, small living rooms for one person, like a studio apartment living room with a VR setup um, and a bunch of different experiences laid out. Uh, I've written up a piece for our friends over at uh, Road to VR, which um, details some of my adventure in there. And also uh, a great discussion I had with uh, Yoni Keening, sorry, Yoni, uh, who is uh, the CEO uh, and founder of a uh, another VR company called Exit Reality, which is up in San Francisco. And that hopefully will be coming out relatively soon. Um, I set that up to them like a couple of days ago. Because um, just really exciting stuff in terms of, you know, exhibition happening for VR, getting VR into the hands of folks who don't want to spend $1,000 on a headset. And I'm and I, as much as I love VR, I'm one of those people. I, I can't actually 1500 bucks to get like the proper computer i just don't have that lying around and when i had that lying around i fly to new york and see shows um not that it's ever really lying around i'm still paying that off anyway let's not talk about my finances tax season uh no actually let's talk about my finances let's talk about patreon oh my god see i could have segued that if i was thinking ahead um i was talking about the slack we'll get back to that in a second look uh we've got a few new Patreon backers, and they're all coming in hard, uh, which is amazing. Um, I'm so happy about that. Um, yeah, why shouldn't I be? Jeez. Um, first up, Ben Needham upped his pledge, upped it to the $10 level. Um, all these people are actually $10 level. I'm just going to say it right now, uh, mostly because I'm 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 shocked. Um, I, I often don't believe, I'm like, how can anyone find this insanity valuable? And the truth is, they do. Um, uh, another person, Lonnie, uh, don't have the last name there. And then Christine Woods all came in uh, at the main level, at the main level. <laughs> oh, boy. That's a Freudian slip. I want $10 a month from all of you. No. Um, the $10 level, as it exists right now, uh, has a uh, a pledge that if you hang around for three months, that you uh, start earning uh, consulting credits. I will, I, will, I will help you out. I will consult like real consulting for you. A lot of people are starting to make requests. Uh, a lot of people come to us for advice. We love that. Uh, it's getting to the point though where balancing all of this work, the actual paying day job, yada, 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 uh, we will be having a, a shingle. And honestly, at this point, I think it's good by the, by the end of February. It's going to be after I talk to my accountant and figure out what the heck I'm doing with all this stuff to make sure that I don't wind up paying money to do this kind of work. That would be dumb. Um, we will have formal consulting uh, rates. Um, expect them to be, um, expect them, you know, 
it's going to be like paying a consultant uh, and we'll decide, you know, which projects we're going to we're going to help out on uh, just because we, we've only got a certain amount of bandwidth. I'm talking to Zay as to whether or not he wants to chip on that. I probably shouldn't have said that, but I did because we get requests out there as well. And, you know, if if we were independently wealthy trust fund dudes or if I ever win the lottery, I've cut back, I've cut back. Um, you know, I will, I will walk away from charging, uh, but right now we're working stiffs. So, um, we, we have to draw a line just cause there's only so many hours in the day. Uh, you can always hit us up, uh, with like a quick question here or there. And if it's something we can just rattle off off the top of our heads, you know, we will do that. But if you want us to dive deep, the easiest way right now to get me is to jump in on that $10 level on the Patreon. Um, we, I'm so thankful for everyone who does uh, support the show, support the newsletters in the Patreon. The next goal is the $150 goal. We're really close to it. And that goal is so that we can actually start paying for the MailChimp and sort of knock away some of the limitations that we currently have. Um, we're doing other things to, to make that. I've actually have, I've removed a few people off the rolls who haven't opened up a newsletter in like three years. Um, they were just kind of like taking up space. Um, I hope that they didn't somehow have it magically routed to like an RSS reader and suddenly like, I don't see it anymore. If you're one of those people, I apologize. I'm, I'm going off the data MailChimp gives me. Um, but we're, we're trying to make it so that, you know, we don't have these kind of log jams on the weekend with the newsletter. If you want to get on the Patreon, if you want to help us out, patreon.com slash no proscenium will take any amount and you only get charged once once a month and you get a shout out here on the show uh because i love you so i really do i'm i'm i still don't i still don't believe sometimes that is where you fail um that was the worst yoda i've ever done and i've done some bad yodas over the day don't do that bad yoda kids um it's, it's the new street drug let's talk about the people who are going to join us in the Think Tank studio. First off, shout out to Think Tank. Love those guys. Jacob, Patrick, so good to be back in the studio. Um, because of the art in the studio, we are cursing. <laughs> they did this show with Pornhub like a couple of months back, and there's still, there's still uh, graphics. You'll understand during the course of the episode. Uh, it's 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 hilarious. What can I say about Have You Seen Jake other than I absolutely loved Therapy and Dreams, which was the first full show in this triptych that they're doing. The next show is Water and Fire. Fire and Water? Keep getting it backwards. I probably just said it wrong. And the final sequence is called Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. Now, there's been some buzz around that because the tickets for yesterday, today, and tomorrow are around $200. What? $200? Well, it's an overnight experience, and that's an all-inclusive ticket that includes your room and your food. So when you look at it that way, and I had an absolutely great conversation after the show with the organizers, and... And let's just put it this way. Um, they're not walking away uh, with gold-plated toilets after that show. You know what I mean? I think you know what I mean. 
trying to be delicate here. Although talking about gold-plated toilets, I don't know how that's delicate. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like, no one's getting rich right now. One day. One day we'll all be rich. Eh, maybe. Um, this was an excellent episode. I had never, I had never talked to these folks before. I didn't know what I was getting into. This, this is like every great episode of No Persinium. I'd never talked to this person before. I had no idea how the conversation was going to go. Frankly, I was slightly terrified that I was going to be talking to people who didn't know how to articulate themselves. Why? Because I'm neurotic, and I always assume that every guest is going to be like a total bust. And then they're not, and then I'm super happy. Having low expectations really helps in life, everybody. Let me just tell you, you're like amazed all the time. Um, I feel like now I'm underselling it. I shouldn't be. This is great. These folks get it in a real way. I'm stoked. We get wonky. Um, I think you're going to love it. I hope you can track this, even though we're going to, you know, we're talking about their show fairly in depth, but I feel like we do it in such a way that it's about the choices they're making and that that can help those of you who want to understand this art form better, because that's what I got out of it. So here we go. Here is A and K, some of the organizers of Have You Seen Jake? So before we begin here, uh, we want to lay down some ground rules. Okay. Um, do you guys want do you guys want me to make it clear, or do you want to make it clear? Because uh, I should probably. F- I mean, because I, I can frame. I suppose I could have framed in the soft open, but like, no, we're gonna do it here. Sure, go ahead and start, and we can okay. chime in as you need. All right. So that voice you're hearing is A, who is one of the organizers yes. of Have You Seen Jake. And then another voice you're going to hear is K. And that is this voice. And that is that voice. <laughs> Very official. <laughs> Very official. Mm. So what we want to make clear to those of you who are um, participating in the show, because the show is participatory and it has, it has a, a longitude to it. Yes. Um, we'll, we'll discuss some of the details of that in a second. Um, there will be no plot elements there will right. be no spoilers right. to the plot elements. There will be no Easter eggs. You will gain absolutely no advantage by listening to this in terms of the plot. If you want to understand some of the inspiration and the creative forces at bay and get a little sense of uh, who's holding the paintbrush, if you will. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> it's literally my job to do that. Um, then, uh, then this is, you're in the right spot. If all you really care about is uh, learning about the plot. You know, there are, there are forums and places for that. But this is no proscenium, and we're nerds. We're fucking nerds. And we're here for the nerds. And he does Excellent. make it sound a little like we're in the witness protection program. Yeah, I mean, I guess at this point we should be. <laughs> <laughs> Might be helpful. Might not be the worst idea. No. Um, so, with that all said, um, for, for either of you, so either A or K, um, or you guys can kind of make this a, a, a duet here. Uh, for those who don't know Have You Seen Jake, mm. what the fuck is Have You Seen Jake? <laughs> <laughs> what a fantastic question. Kay, do you want to go ahead and start? Well, you know, I think the best way to kind of encapsulate Have You Seen Jake is it is an immersive experience 
that is really an ongoing immersion um, where basically the individuals, the participants in that narrative are audience members, um, but the construction of the story is really taking elements of their lives and intertwining it into the story itself. Right, because while we've come in with a narrative that we want to get across, we have a very clear beginning, middle, and end for ourselves. Uh, What we did with this project is we brought in an audience to not just talk to or talk at, but have a conversation with. So this is all about, uh, and we can't really talk about where the project is going just because that gives away you know, everything. Uh, But what we're trying to do here is make our audience members not characters, but a part of a very honest, true story. That while these characters that we have created are false, the experience is not. That actually makes makes perfect sense, which sounds sounds like I'm chatting you up, but at the (laughs) same time, um, it's definitely, it's the point. Mm. Right, like okay. uh, in in my in my pretentious um, like those have passed in my pretentious college theater days, <laughs> as opposed to my pretentious adult theater days. Wait, adult theater? That's something else. Um, <laughs> you can tell we're at the think tank because um, of how things are going. There's and there are balls. balls. And there are balls. And there are balls. <laughs> um, there's there's something about this room uh, that that always frames the conversations certain ways, uh, mostly because of the conversations I've had in this room. It just perpetuates itself. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is I used to talk well. about I, I used to talk about wanting a piece of theater to be the thing itself, mm. right? Like I didn't I didn't want to indicate I didn't want something to um, sort of suggest. I wanted the moments to be the actual moments. And I feel like I'm really coming back to that. And I got to say from are we cool to talk about therapy and dreams? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay, that good. one's totally that right. We're okay. through and, it. And Noah, before yeah. you go there, I, I felt like a part of your question was, you know, what is Have You Seen Jake? And I don't know if it would help to kind of describe a little bit about where it starts. You know, you're right. You're right. I, I, I start going right into the to the philosophy. Right. And, and we love the show. But, yeah. You know. yeah. And we're no. very excited to talk about it. We're very proud no. of it. But let's go ahead and step even further back. Yeah. To... Let's get the framing right. Because like I was about to say, let's want to talk about therapy and dreams. But then it's like, well, what the hell is that? So let's start there. This is not just one piece that you guys are doing. Correct. Okay. Correct. So can you break it down a little? Yeah. So, you know, it really started um, with an outreach to a couple of audience members. Mm-hmm. And the, the basic construction was the audience member is, um, has knowledge of or his, a history with the character Jake. Um, and Jake has gone missing. And they may not remember how they know Jake or exactly um, what their relationship to Jake was. Mm. Um, But over the course of a series of interactions with characters spanning three fully realized experiences, as we call them, um, shows, and a couple of more unofficial or... um, meetup type um, experiences Pop they will, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Sure. they yeah, will come that. to realize a um, a complete narrative right so and what's missing and why it's missing and yeah yeah and if I may so this is actually my favorite story about our little company here is so there are six organizers there are six people that came together in early September of mm-hmm. 2016 
The years are very important to mention here because in September of 2016, just a few short months ago, we were all talking and we were like, okay, great. So we're going to do the show October 2017 and we're going to October 2017 and we're going to go from there. So late September 2016, uh, one of our organizers was out walking their dog and was like, you know what? Today's the day. This is the moment. And goes home, sits down at their computer and types out this email that was sent out to seven people. And it was just like, hey, I know you know my friend Jake. Uh, he's gone missing. Please tell me a little bit about how you know him. I want to bring in you, bring you into the search that I want. I want to search for him. And then it was just signed Q Blue. Nothing that told you it was a show except for the email address, which was answers at heavyseenjake.com. Mm. Noah, within 24 hours, maybe even a little less, all seven of those people responded with their own narratives. So from day one, our whole audience has been a part of creating their part in this story just as much as we have. And then it was just through all those people that we developed the, the wonderful following that we have, the, the strong, what are we at right now for, well, at least for our shows, we have at least, we had 65 runs. Come through so, therapy yeah, dreams. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so I just find that to be so amusing that <laughs> we thought we had a year, but, uh, thankfully we knew what we were doing and we knew where we were going. So, and you know, I, I think what, and maybe where A is going with this is I feel like there's something really magical about the response we got from the audience yeah. that mm. actually created our experience as much as it's creating their experience. Yeah. And it, it actually has forced us to accelerate um, partly just because of the response. I don't oh, yeah. think we expected it to be quite so um, so engaged. And, and I think that's that's been amazing. Yeah. Um, and so as it happens, by March of 2017, we will have wrapped up the story. Right. So that's about six months total of running this with uh, the uh, ongoing immersion happening every single day. <laughs> Every day, right? Every single day in some shape or form, someone is communicating with some character or getting some piece of information or Absolutely. whatever. Basically, we just sit around, do nothing all day long, and our life is very easy. And, uh, you know, <laughs> we don't have to think about this every day, <laughs> every week. Was that... Now, that's something... Well, let's, let's hold on that for a second, because, mm-hmm. like, sure. the, the demands of an ARG on folks is, is something we've touched on before. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys... Think of the production as a whole, uh, the, the meta narrative that's happening uh, as an alternate reality game. What you guys are shaking your heads. So, no. what's what's your framework for it? So we choose to go with the term ongoing immersion because the um, the exact framework for an alternate reality game. It, it just by that phrasing means that it's something that is not what you're already living in. Like that we are separating it mm. from your day to day. And you're what, playing a character. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And embodying exactly. a character. And it's I, going I think what's different for this is we, we are asking our audience to really play themselves as much as they're comfortable. Yeah. Some are not going to be. Right. And some are. And I think for those who do play themselves, they may get a, I would argue maybe a better experience. Right. Um, because, and that's one separation. And then I also think um, ARG, in my mind, kind of implies a certain objective for the audience um, that is different than just the experience. Yes, yeah. yeah. because then they're looking at like, oh, I need to get to the end of this story and I need to get to exactly where I want to go and what I want to get out of it. And, and I'm going to shape it. Yeah. And um, I think we're asking for more of an interplay of... Right. 
allowing the experience itself to shape the audience as much as they are shaping the narrative. And as pretentious as it is to talk about that, like, art should not just be something to look at, but it should be something to learn from and change you. Like, very seriously, that's what we want to do for these, for, for our audience, for the people who are playing with us, because we'll have audience members lately more frequently be like, we want this. We want you to do this for us. And we're like, you don't get it. Because you don't know what's what's going to happen in like two months. So you don't understand that what we're doing right now is extremely purposeful. And the type of interaction you're getting every day, like specifically in January, is for a reason. We're going to make you kind of eat your vegetables before getting to have the sweets that you want. Like we are trying to teach them larger concepts and trying to have them understand parts of themselves that they probably haven't already had to deal with or interact with yet um, that we just think is a really exciting platform for an ongoing immersion that we think we're able to really delve into well over six months every single day. But I think there's a certain amount of humility that comes with it too because it's not like, um, I don't know, it sounds very paternalistic or something to say like we're going we're gonna to make you go through something right. um, mm-hmm. on our terms. And I think we, we've learned very early on that um, our terms are also shaped by the audience so yeah. those sh- shift and and meld mm-hmm. um but it is i, I think we, we we tried very early on to use language where we distinguish this from an arg um, because i think it conjured up a set of rules that mm-hmm. the audience had already preconceived right. and arg came with that we yeah. kind of wanted to break and there was a learning curve yeah well and i think i mean two things come to mind in, in terms of the process that you guys are talking about. One is at the start, the fact that it began with seven emails and you got back seven different responses that started to sort of shape out the, the, the narrative for you. I always think about, you know, when talking about interactive narratives, that the er interactive narrative is the bedtime story of the parent mm. telling a kid a bedtime story and the kid starts to ask questions. Well, what about this? Mm-hmm. What about that? And the parent, if they got any kind of storytelling chops at all, even if they're like sitting there with a book, they're going to go off book and they're going to come up with answers, right? I know when I'm, when I game master a role playing game, my favorite mode I call the oracular mode. And it's just like, let the players start asking me questions Mm -hmm. and I will start bullshitting answers and those become canon. And it's so much joy because much like a conversation, I won't know the shape of that story world before I say it, much like I won't know the shape of necessarily what's in my head until uh, it, it pops out, all of which comes from my improv training, mm. because that's the, the fundamental of improv is just like someone gives you an offer and you counter the offer with something else. You justify it and then you tack something else onto it and the world keeps on building up. The other thing that stands out that I think is really fundamental is, you know, there's almost a sense of like an initiation or like a mystery cult angle to what you guys are doing like mm-hmm. there's there's something sort of beyond the veil there's something going on that people want to know but they got to work for it or they got to mm-hmm. go through the paces mm-hmm. and that's something that's really lost from our culture as a very large element mm-hmm. um, and that's one of the things I find interesting about immersive as an entire movement is that thirst for experience really reflects you know we don't we don't have those kind of rituals in our culture 
uh, if we're if you're not like in a, a definitive religion, and even if you are in a definitive religion, a lot of that stuff's been stripped out. Yeah. Sure, interesting. Um, you know, so something uh, you know that that um, you bring up for me is you know I've been to a number of immersive shows that have really been a delivery to the audience, mm-hmm. um, and a <laughs> and and in some cases the lack of even spoken lines or lines that are very clearly the characters or the or the actors are really dead set on delivering regardless of what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and while those, I mean, some of those experiences have been really magical in their own right, um, I think that the, um, some of the uh, elements of that are kind of what we, what we were really deliberately choosing not to do in this experience. Mm-hmm. We really wanted it to truly be a conversation right. And to allow for um, more kind of authentic emotion by allowing people to bring their true lives and their experiences into it um, and not have to play a character to do that. Well, because that's also why, I mean, why we do immersive because theater before immersive is sitting next to people you don't know in velvet seats to watch something on stage happen that would happen whether or not you were there. Right. So, okay, we're stepping away from that format. So what are we going to do with it? We don't need to keep delivering dialogue then that would happen whether or not the audience member was in the room. So, and, and that's where I want to go back to you talking about improv. A lot of people, because our show is largely non-script uh, based. It's objective based. So mm. we know, okay, we have seven minutes in this scene with this character. Our objective is to get them, let's say, from one end of the room to the other. Go. And you know who your character is. Now now play with these people. Yeah. Like, give them something to engage in. They are doing immersive theater. So, like, <laughs> make them realize that and, and take advantage of that moment. So we don't need them to have an improv background. And I wonder, this may blow your mind a little bit, but our, our whole cast and our company and the organizers uh, don't have improv training. For largely, we've done improv work here yeah. and there, the way you go to classes and blah blah blah. Yeah. But other than that, we were just looking for people that wouldn't just know how to perform, how to listen, but that would listen. Right. So sometimes when we do, and I don't know if I should share this, but sometimes when we do um, quote unquote auditions with new cast members, it, we won't often have them stand up and perform. It's, it's a few hours of us chatting with them and trying to see their cognitive processing and how much they're willing to give back to us in conversation. Because And no, I don't know if this is how you felt going through our show, but that's a huge part of it. Like, unless it, oh, yeah. we were doing the chaos scene of the, of the, birth, of the birth dream. Right. Um, but uh, even that, but, you know, even that scene in Therapy mm-hmm. and Dreams, um, it's still, with, with all the, the kineticness of mm-hmm. it, it still felt like there was a verbal back and forth. There was, and 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 I I love the absurdity of that scene. <laughs> like it was full on Dada, and it was very exciting. Bro. And and the fact that like so and and like I mean, we we were coming back here to therapy and dreams. So therapy and dreams is was the first full show. Yes. And then Water and Fire is the second full show, which is yet to come. Right. That's this, in a few short weeks. Yeah, and this will come out before then. Uh, and then the last is yesterday, today, and tomorrow, which is an overnight yes. experience. Correct. Yes. Um, which you know, I'll, I'll ask you guys some questions about mm-hmm. stuff about that. In, therapy in a bit. and dreams. Yeah. <laughs> but coming back to therapy and dreams. So in therapy and dreams, it's there's a there's a 
kind of a hard act break uh, in that thing in that half of the show is a therapy session mm-hmm. and half of the show is dreams. Um, so, you know, you get you, what's on the tin, which is... We really re- sold it to you, right? Yeah. Really, I mean, you, knew, yeah. you knew what you were buying. Yeah. Well, and the, the, but the best part is, is, like, you know, didn't know what I was buying and yet the fact that it is, like, right there on the tin, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, this makes... like, the, and, and, that's, and that's part of designing an immersive, right? Mm-hmm. Is that... You know, oh, what is this about? Oh, it's about that. It's like even like, you know, the fact that, you know, then she fell is Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. It's like, then she fell. You're going down the rabbit hole. It's not right. about someone stumbling down the stairs. It's about you falling into Wonderland. Mm. Um, sleep no more, given the fact that like, you're, you're ghosts and everyone's a restless ghost. Um, which probably isn't their intent, but it's what I took away from it. Anyway, so the, the first half, it, it is just straight up a conversation. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been in therapy in years. And I was, afterwards, I was like, oh, that was nice. Maybe I should get back to that. Um, <laughs> and it was it was very much... What was, what was interesting there was that a few shows have relied upon the, um, the questionnaire. Mm-hmm. And they've used the questionnaire to, to feed some stuff back to you or try and frame the results of your questionnaire or use it against you in some ways. And, and everyone's kind of moving that way. It's like, how can we gain information on the audience and personalize it. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was so Apple obvious, which is, I mean, not that they're that good at this anymore themselves, but that's that's what I like to call something that's, once you've seen it, you're like, oh, well, duh, that's how it's done, yeah. right? And that you use that questionnaire as a jumping off point for a rather lengthy part of the experience that acted as a way of grounding the audience member into themselves. Exactly. Which is not something that people tend to do. And it's it's a very lengthy kind of, you know, standing there on the threshold before you kind of pushed into the 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 surreal part of the world, mm-hmm. which gets to things like the culminating sequence, which is the 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 or the culminating dream, the last dream, which is the birthing sequence where you're surrounded by animal heads and there's a koala doctor and a zebra, and I mean, I just wow, had, you have some weird dreams, no? Yeah, seriously, I, I it was just it was, I mean that 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 sequence is a straight up freaking awesome, and I think I like I can't remember when I wrote up the the review. If I think I, I tried to shy away from it because I, I knew it, yeah, you said much. you were gonna wax uh, poetic about it later, and <laughs> yeah. I was excited to hear what you well, and, to and say, I but... think that's that's what's happening right now is is this is my opportunity to do that. Uh, Having, having there be a dream that's just straight up absurd, and there there being at the same time this through line that's like a very clear scenario that like mm-hmm. everyone everyone knows the birthing scenario. Right. Everybody does. You're not necessarily going to be you know a person who's going to go through it. Uh, I don't have the plumbing for it, for instance. But you know what to do. And and if you're game, you can go to some really wonderfully strange places. We had pushers. Oh we, yeah, we had. I think Noah people. was a pusher. Were you a pusher? I was a pusher. Yeah. Oh, we had I, some that were extremely vocal about it yeah. too. It was very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was more grunty pushing, but yeah. my, my <laughs> favorite thing was like was like saying like, uh, Doctor Zebra is the baby okay? Like you know, <laughs> Doctor Koala is everything. I'm just gonna say Doctor Zebra, Doctor Koala. Like that was fucking fantastic. So you know, Noah, um, I, I think for us that was. Truly, as we reflect back on it, it was one of our favorite scenes to do. Um, it also brought up such a wide range of emotional response for people yeah. from mm. taking that scene incredibly seriously 
um, for folks who maybe feel like they, um, you know, they couldn't have conceived of what a birth experience would be and mm-hmm. that we gave that to them. And, and I thought that was maybe in somewhat, some ways kind of surprising because I don't think it was medically accurate at all. <laughs> um, and nor are our dreams. <laughs> but, but I think in some ways it, it was like everyone's experience with that scene was so unique. Yes. And I think it was one of those moments for us as we kind of debriefed afterwards and it was sort of that first night, that first show night, um, that as we were sitting around talking with the cast and, and processing on it, I think everyone just felt like we had this sort of responsibility in that scene to let it be what it was going to be for people. And yeah. I think that it's sort of what we've talked about as organizers, mm-hmm. but it became real for the cast, I yeah. think, because of that scene. Well, and of real. course, men and women, there was a very stark divide there on oh, how yeah. they were going to react. The, uh, what I loved was whenever women would be told, like, do you know where you are? They're like, no. Uh, you're about to have a baby. All the women went, oh, God, no. (laughs) (laughs) They all, like, moaned and groaned, like, please don't make me do this. Um, I'm certain several of them considered the safe word right then. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, Jesus. Um, But uh, going on that scene, something that we really like about uh, the, the birth moment is the other word to use for it, which is labor. Yeah. Because as, and, and to go back also to therapy, um, we liked the idea of having control over a very normal event in the day, right? Uh, the idea of just going to therapy and making it such an impactful amount of time that it was like, okay, we really, we have really taken a step just into your day. So that by us associating that to the show, hopefully there was a line drawn of like, okay, so this is about how your life leaks into your subconscious, right? Mm. So then it's how does the word labor translate to your subconscious? Is it a labor of relationships? Is it, is it, a, is it work? Is it whatever? So we were hoping, and I think it's been going in a lot of interesting directions for our audience members, but as they start to look at like, Oh, casual conversations in a bar. Oh, uh, uh, a very uh, taxing, violent scene, a very shameful scene. Looking at how all these things are reflecting back on them. Also because we did, like you mentioned with the questionnaire, before every single person came in, we did a walkthrough of of each and every one. The whole cast gets together, except for our poor actress who was in the park. She did it alone. Uh, but um, every actor in there, we said, okay, this is the person that's coming through. This is the level, general level of intensity. Here's some really important things for them, and and here's here's what's going to resonate best. And let's go ahead and and try to hit on that. So it was less even about specific information yeah. and more about what we get from them so far as or is the wrong way to say it but I don't know how to put into words this gesture that I'm making yeah I I think you know one of the things you said earlier you commented a little bit on that preparation for the therapy scene and the actor who um who played Dr. Roberts spent an enormous amount of time Mm -hmm. studying every single intake form to construct that scene. And I think it was really her request that we ask certain questions in that intake form. Mm -hmm. Um, We allow our actors to really shape the experience. And and certainly um, her construction of that scene was so um, pivotal to the the narrative we were telling. And that um, that questionnaire became such a such an important part of her feeling prepared to spend twenty minutes on a bench in a park with someone having that dialogue. Um, I think similarly, though, we have had to make very specific choices throughout this experience. 
um, some of which I think are big risks because as you know we were talking about earlier in traditional theater experiences you have one show you're putting on and you may have a range of audience reactions and maybe you know if you're lucky half or more than half will love it and some portion will not and some portion will you know maybe sit somewhere in the middle um, for us because we're customizing everyone's show there is that risk we're taking that we choose wrong for everyone and you know um, yeah. and, and boy that would be a bummer but you know I, I think in some ways it's it's the the, the fun of it for the actors and for um, the organizers yeah. but it's also the maybe the trust we're placing in the audience that they're going to give us some um, forgiveness if we if we miss just a little bit and hopefully we'll get better and better at it as yeah. they go through that experience which is probably why we didn't want to just do one show right and that's also where getting to know all of our audience we all read all online media about uh, about uh, every single thing that our audience posts that like is available to us we well, be careful now they're gonna post a lot more <laughs> <laughs> oh boy you just oh, asked oh, they, for it no they, they cannot they... post any more than they you do noah <laughs> noah no you don't even know um, and we are so thankful yes, but oh my gosh. <laughs> like, but yeah. we're where we have a lot of benefit to hopefully and as our shows go on we're able to hone it in closer and closer is that because they're talking so much and because we read it all we feel like even past the, uh, hopefully, even past what they're saying, we're able to get to what they're meaning because we are learning about these people's tendencies there. So, so yeah, let, me, let me, let me, in that frame, mm-hmm. uh, and, and to be totally narcissistic for a second about it, Please. from intake form and the copious amounts of material of my own that exists out here, which Mm -hmm. you guys definitely pulled threads on into the show versus what you got from out of me. You mean when you were physically in the show? No, I was physically in the show. So Mm -hmm. like, and and this is something I would ask, I would ask you guys in in the generic of like, you know, like, you know, what's that gap? Like, what Mm -hmm. do you find yourself Mm -hmm. learning? Mm -hmm. But because I was in the show, um, I can make it, all about me for yeah. a second. Yeah. So like, no, of course, no, please. And, we, and yeah. I'd love to. Yeah. Um, you know, no. One of the things it's it's interesting because we've made certain choices at different times, and I part of it. I know what I just opened up here too. So like, <laughs> oh no, yeah. of course. Love and, and, the you know, <laughs> and, and let me just let me just qualify. We we do a fair amount of research on our audience members, but we're not like pouring over everything we can find because I think part of what we've tried to do is allow for the the choices they make from the time they join join the search mm-hmm. to the time that they're sort of engaging with us in whether it's phone calls or text messages or whatever level of engagement our audience members choose to partake in. Mm -hmm. Um, We have sort of allowed for them to bring the version of their authentic self that they want to bring without us trying too hard to construct it from a backstory that we might find out about them online or social media. We've used some tidbits, but we didn't do like copious amounts of research on you personally to then construct your show. We took your response to the intake form. We took, you know, Dr. Roberts kind of worked on that. We had certain um, interactions that had kind of informed a little bit what we thought you might want. And I think we made certain choices to really pull back in the workshop scene Mm -hmm. um, with boss man and um, rock climber for you because we thought you're not a big um, extreme haunt guy. So let's figure out how we shift that a little. I think 
now knowing some of your feedback about that scene, I probably would have made some different choices. I might have pushed it a little harder. Um, But I also think there might have been some things we would have emphasized a little differently. And so that's the kind of thing I was talking about. We take a risk in so much as we're, we're sort of limiting ourselves in the knowledge we have and trying to base it on your conversation with us. And so the more you engage, you know, and, and I think some people will engage a lot and they'll have a different experience. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be better or worse. Right. It's just going to be different. Yeah, sure. And, and there's so many people with some of stuff that has a long form to it that it's really, they invest so heavily that they start, you know, they start seeing things that may or may not actually be there. Or they've invested, sure. they've invested in a particular part of the yes. lore and the mere appearance of it. Like I think for my sake... Um, not for this show, but like in in general, right? Like I'm a, everyone knows I'm a massive Star Wars fan. So in Rogue One, when they just said, "Oh, we're we're guardians of the wills," well, I've known about the wills since I was a small child, like reading the novelizations, and like I hear that word, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" And like, 15 million things trigger off. Most people are sitting in that audience, going like, "All oh, oh Darth Vader, I know Darth Vader," <laughs> you know, and like that's that that works for yeah. them. For me, it's this rando line. Because of what I've invested in, yep, and that's one of the interesting things about building these worlds. And that's and that's a good thing. Uh, that's a good way for me to associate back to what we're talking about about sculpting around our audience. Is for instance, if you if we were doing Rogue One, and we <laughs> saw you uh, kind of go crazy about the wills, yeah, we might might do, might do might do do a phone call for you in a day or two, just, just because we know that that was something that you really specifically responded to. And while it's not changing story. It's it's responding to what you need to hear more of or what you'd like to see more of in a way that we feel feeds back into us and yeah. into the story and into the story. And, and sometimes we're going to get it right and sometimes we're going to get it wrong. Right. And you right. know and and that's that's our experience, right? Like so we get to yeah. we get to get shaped by this yeah. as well. I mean, I think for you, um, I um, I think there's a very specific. Um, set of choices we made for the bar scene. Right. Mm. Um, yes. You did, yeah. Yeah. No, there definitely were some Which, in, in, if I may, because we know, for instance, that the really extreme haunt aspect of, of, uh, of immersive theater in general isn't what your tendency is for, we, for some variations of the bar scene, we had more members of they come in and just kind of like mess with you and really like get in there and... Oh, Frog know. mask with a crowbar. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, as we affectionately refer to it, uh, the fuck stick. Uh, pardon that. But um, so we for we would do that for some other people who we knew would get more out of having an extra aggressive member in another scene. Whereas for you, because you also weren't super involved in story, we were like, okay, let's give him time to talk to some characters. Yeah. Let's let's give him a moment of also extreme variation of we're coming out of this huge, big, loud, number 10 like level scene and then we're going to take it all the way down to having a nice beverage in a bar with some nice ladies who are going to talk to you about Jake. Yeah. With, with something that's still a little dreamlike right. in yeah, no, the, its the, the, surrealism yeah Which, and like like because i was down in my underwear at that point and that's like <laughs> yeah. it's like oh it's it's the oh i'm i'm in a place in my underwear dream. yes right. exactly right you know exactly. And, and for some people if some people went through it naked they've got like oh i'm in a place but naked we those people actually think, got a robe 
A robe. We, yeah. yeah. Once they went down past boxers or underwear, we put them in a robe. Smart. Because and, and that was you a, didn't need to SMRT. Focus on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was it was a really deliberate choice, and actually, I think it was A's idea um, to just really. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> you know, the distraction. Uh, you know, taking. I mean, got, we've got a big old pair right here. Exactly. In the room. Exactly. <laughs> they are I, distracted. I don't For those feel of you who can't see, there's right. a picture of balls um, over on the side of the room. It really balls. is. They're, they're well smooth. shorn. Yeah. They are. Um, if I do say so myself. Right. But uh, the the robe, it's just why why distract yourself further? And that wasn't the point for that scene was to have people be too self-referential. Like, well, sitting here, I'm naked. But yeah. a little self-referential for those of, exactly. who were in boxers. Exactly. Yeah. And sitting there in their underwear in a dream. And, and that felt real um, yeah. in some ways because yeah. we've all had dreams like that, I think. Yeah. Um, oh, everyone has. Yeah. And I'm Super usually robots. naked in them, but um, it's fine. <laughs> for me, it is it is underwear. I would, and also like one year for Halloween, uh, in college, I went as that dream. Nice. And so like I went in boxers and covered in a little bit of blood. No, not covered in blood, <laughs> but like, but but they were they were the they were like heart boxers. Sure. Right. You were and Cupid. No, it was it was like I was having the dream like I went to class in my underwear. Oh, nice. As, oh. Were you carrying oh. books? As your yeah, no, no. In college, on Halloween, I went as that dream where you go to your class in your underwear. And I went to class in my underwear. That's, awesome. that's amazing. That's really great. No, yeah. that's I truly amazing. I love it. I'm going to steal that costume idea. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's, it's a solid one. Yeah. Um, do you, when you sit down and you do that review mm. with everyone. It's do, more screaming while we reset everything. But <laughs> <laughs> yes. This guy, that thing. Do you, well, or when you've or when you've looked at it and and at the end of the night, out, at saying, the end of the night, yeah. or even or even before the end of the night, like when when you're going into it, do you do you wind up having a sense of like oh they're gonna dig this scene, mm-hmm. and then it like, and then it surprises you yes. sometimes. Yes, yes, yeah. um, and because while our timing is very tight, it's mm-hmm. very tight. Everything's down to a T. There will and, be, and I will say that was my personal biggest nervousness about the show. Oh yeah, was just. The timing, because of some of the logistics from the park to the uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, space. It, I, I, I think it was a really, really challenging effort, and I am just so grateful for the team we have because it was the the level of coordination and and um, support we got was was just brilliant. But the, anyways, the the buffer, the the small bits of buffer I experienced were exceptionally small. Right, like that's really good. To hear. That's, that's was... our biggest victory, I think, is being able to walk away from that show and proudly saying that there was as little time between. We ended, we ended two minutes late the first night. Oh wow, two minutes behind schedule. And I, I say that, that more like not as a as a pride thing. I'm I'm like I'm humbled by the yeah. team. I yeah. am so proud of, you, you of should, that team. It's it's also a good a sign of good design. I mean. You know, anyone who's worked a, a film and worked a film schedule knows mm-hmm. how things can go like so far over. Yeah. And uh, one of the joys of my life um, was working on a friend short and being the AD and running the schedule. And like every night, we were like, that was boom, one of your joys? Boom. What? No, every <laughs> night, every, every every night we like it's a little massacre. We'll, we'll no, 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 no. Look, I no, I set the schedule. We hit the schedule every night. Yeah. Like we never yeah. went over. And I was Very like, nice. boom, yeah. that's what you do. Right. And a lot of that, I mean, some of that came down to like, you know, look at the director, like, well, beforehand, it's like, no, you're not going to get all that done. Mm-hmm. That's not possible. Right. Move that to another day. We'll, you know, right. build us some time mm-hmm. to like ease into this other stuff. Yeah. Um, but when you've got so many moving parts, and this is actually a question, uh, mm-hmm. since you guys know down in the minute, um, 
I had that sense that like the the therapy was about twenty minutes. I lost all sense of time inside dreams. How long was which is which is always a sign that things are going well. How right. long was dreams? Yeah, actually, they were both both scenes were about uh, twenty five minutes. With... So therapy was about twenty five, and then dreams was about twenty five. Yeah, and there's a little yeah. interstitial and a little bit of yeah. cushion yeah. here and there. Yeah. Right. Um, and you know, there was the, the Uber ride. Yeah. Um, so, the, and, and, and so really it was constructed to be an hour show yeah. with all the transitions right. and, um, a little bit of rest here and there. Um, we had some flexibility if we thought we were running just a little bit behind, we could, you know, speed up a scene a bit, but mm-hmm. it took a, a phenomenal amount of coordination. And we also, so, and this is where we can bring it back to you, Noah, I think you actually probably played with me cause I was playing character hope for your show. Yeah. Um, you played probably the most with me in the post-show conversation that we had, yeah. which was sort of, it was a delicate, because the reason why we really felt passionate about having that conversation after the show was largely to bring you back to zero, bring you back to normal, to yeah. release you. Yeah. Um, but also because uh, I really don't like the idea of leaving you to just stand in the dark, in the quiet, waiting for your show to be truly over. Particularly if you're doing something that's that can be emotionally sensitive, yeah. right? Like, so we can... Because we talk about extreme horror sometimes in the show, we can walk next door to uh, a, a, a similar realm, which is um, uh, the kink realm. Mm. And in the terms of those scenes, people talk in terms of aftercare. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. you need to, and that you know, it's the responsibility of the person who is staging the scene. Right. If you really want to know, yes, I can use all the terminology, but like, me too. <laughs> right. If you want, there's pers- is the responsibility of the person who's staging the scene to take care of the person who is, yes. you know, the, the center of focus for that scene. Yes. And that, in my head, is a very ethical move. Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of shows that, and, and there can be something to like, I'm going to cast you out now into the night. Right. And you're going to get, the, the world's going to be on fire and there's going to be something luminous. Right. But what you guys gave me there with Hope was, it, it definitely felt like, oh, I can kind of touch back down into reality. Yeah. I'm, you know, and and I got that little sense. I was like, I was going a little too slow because like, you can put your coat on. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, it's time for me to go. <laughs> because um, because yeah. everyone is is like waiting, yeah. just just behind we, doors going. We had to three minutes to change the room. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, yeah. we were like. So everyone's just like, let's go, let's go. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. what's he saying now? For no, but, God, but, but, Kathy but, over here. But the thing so. is, Noah, is I think, you know, what, while that was a bring you back into your mm-hmm. world, it was also with a character who had some deliberateness to yes. the dialogue oh, that was yeah. going on. Yeah. And I think some people missed that. I think some people thought, oh, now we're just chatting. And I'm chatting with an actor who played this character. Right. And and I think it was partly the subtlety of, of A and how authentically you played it. <laughs> um, because I think had it <laughs> been more flattery. juxtaposed, you know, you would have maybe... Um, it w- would have been more obvious to folks, but I think it was so subtle yeah. and so restrained that it was... It was For some people, they just didn't it, totally get that. It felt very liminal to me. It felt like mm-hmm. we were both who we were in the world of the show mm-hmm. and we were N and A having right. an actual conversation. Yeah. Right. And and the best the best scenes when you're an actor uh, can often feel that way too. Right. Where it's yeah. like, oh, you've got your lines, 
but you're really having this thing. Back to that right. conceit I have, like, I want it to be the thing itself. Right, where your lines just become like, oh, the line that I rehearsed just happens to be the proper response. Right. And then that's how that conversation yeah. goes. Yeah. We were two characters having a conversation about right. dreams, and we were also two people. But I again, I, rather than us trying to bring you into being a character, it's more so us trying to come closer to you to reality. Right. So, because again, it, you were Noah the right. whole time. Well, I was, I was Noah the whole time. And what's interesting for me, because like the way, the way you guys frame uh, into, into hope mm-hmm. is that there's, there's, clearly, there's clearly a moment before to that relationship. Right. 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 Uh, and once we start playing with each other verbally, <laughs> verbally, Dirty birds. Jesus, no. You're the worst. You just snickered about it. <laughs> playing with each other verbally in the acting sense. Once we start playing with each other verbally, um, that relationship starts to be defined and built out, right. right? And so there's 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 something there, and you know, I imagine some people probably go lean out, just like oh, I don't know, I'm in a bed with a strange woman, and then other people, some some of them are shaking their head no, and other people are just like oh this like this is the relationship I'm gonna run with it, yeah. and like mm-hmm. there's gonna be a banter. Right. To, yeah. to go. They would, I love that people seem uh, to, and this happens pretty much in all scenarios for us, where, uh, like, let's say they have an interaction with a character, Heather, and then they move into an interaction with a, a character like Hope, for instance. And Hope is like, How are you doing? And they're like, I don't know, I just talked to Heather, and there was a weird thing that happened. And they love to talk about the weird things that just happened to them in the realm <laughs> of the show. And, it's, and that's usually where, where they find the common ground of, like, truly communicating is they're like I don't know any other response here except to tell you that like I just what got just accosted by some guy in a park <laughs> and I just want to talk about that for a few minutes and right. I'm like I understand that but you realize you're in that show you're not telling me new information right yeah. maybe you should let me tell you new information but that's the thing I mean people want it's weird it's not even weird like it's something we discover on this stuff all the time like mm-hmm. one of the one of the things people look for in this kind of work oddly enough is is, is is validation of that experience. Yeah. Like they want they yeah, want absolutely. did that just happen? Yes, that just yes, happened. Yeah. yeah. Right? You know that that you know and and given how weird our actual realities become, it almost starts to make a degree of sense. It's yeah. like, yes, you want someone to come in and like no, you're not crazy. Right. You you are hearing what you're hearing. There were that many people in the park, right? Right. You know? and, and and that's the and that's kind of the, you know, part of this too, know that you know, I was reflecting on as we were kind of coming over here um, to meet with you. One of the things that you talked a lot about in your um, interview with Darren and the tension uh, experience was the the idea of presence. And I think mm-hmm. you've come back to it a, a couple of times. And I, th- I think it's a really interesting notion. But I, I think where um, we hope to get to um, is to have that presence be not just you as a character in a narrative or you being dropped down into it an experience being present in that experience, Mm. but that actually you're present in your own life and that you can blur those lines in your experience with us in this immersive, um, you know, theatrical production. Well, I think there's a, there's a duality there, right? In that I think one, I, I think you can invite people to do that. And, and I see sometimes people, and I feel like you guys are inviting people to do that. I see other people trying to play in the same energy and trying to impose that and be like, oh, you will be, mm-hmm. right? You know, yeah. which is, for me is like a very like kind of, I don't want to say Pentecostal because I don't know too much about Pentecostal, <laughs> but I feel that, that preacher energy gets like, yeah. you will be healed. Mm. I'm going to put it on you and I'm drive the spirits out. 
And then there's this mystery cult sense of drink of this, walk down here into this darkness. We will show you something. And the thing we ultimately show you is you. Uh, And we're creating a framework to let you fill in the gaps, the, the, um, those, those spaces in between, I often call refer to them, uh, when I would talk about transmedia a lot, I'd call them lacunas, right? Mm-hmm. Like the holes in memory. Sure. Uh, and I talk about, you know, one of the th- reasons why Firefly um, is, I thought was so popular, um, was that there were so few episodes that people just took their imaginations and ran them right into the holes in between. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that fandom just holds on to that greatly. And the thing that's brilliant about Star Wars as a property is like they purposely carve open spaces for people to like throw their imagination into. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly actually how we discussed it earlier today. So I, I it's really nice to hear you reflect on that because that's exactly how we see it and what we intend to accomplish with yeah. this. Yeah. Um you know, I kind of wanted to come back to something you were saying um about therapy and sure. So squeaky, they're very true. Very they, they warned me that the chair is squeaking. They were right. Yeah, and you confiscated it because you thought we could trust you with it. But yeah, well, so it'd be my responsibility when people heard the noises. It would have been it would have been squeaking more if I had sat in it. Let's just be honest. So. Could have. Never know. Um, anyways, I you know I feel like there is something about um, the unfolding of therapy and dreams and kind of what we learned from it that we then carried mm-hmm. over into the reprise. Um, so, so several oh, yeah. people, several of our yeah. audience members came back a Ooh. second time. Oh, and did you know about this? I did know. I think eight or nine folks came back through uh, a second time. Seven. 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 Yes, yes. There's a mystery bird in here telling me it's seven. Seven, <laughs> so. seven. Um, <laughs> seven, seven, seven. Uh, so anyways, yes, I think, um, you know, that for us became a really um, important artistic choice because I think while we were talking about, you know, every sequence we tried to make it adaptive to the audience member, mm-hmm. those were all still, all those adaptations, while they were customized for each person to the extent that we thought it might work for them, um, we also had to keep it within the story and have it progress story. Right. And so right. I think when we had folks coming back, we really debated, like, we're not going to give them the same show. Right. We want to, we have a contract with our audience implied um, that we're going to, we're going to keep giving them a customization, a level of customization. Right. And because they were returners, we gave them a very different show, right. but it was still intentional in how it drove the narrative forward. And if I can take a step back, yeah. I was correct. It was eight. <laughs> that's oh. all I needed to. That's all I needed to say. Now the bird has eight right. Well, here's a question. So, um, were they making different choices? So, the, they did they make different choices. Uh, and I'm sure some of the, some of the eight maybe made the same choices. Some made different choices because sure. I'm thinking about I, and I think of it, thought of it as stealing. Like I went when uh, any when any lesser did the first of her ABC series and she did Apartment oh, yeah. Eight, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and that's a one-on-one with a single actor. Right. And I had no idea what I was getting into the first time, but I was like, love Danny's last piece, jumping in, no problem, no sure. question. And I was floored by it. Mm. And I turned around and I bought a ticket. And then the show sold out, and people, some people were like, oh, we can't get a ticket. And I'm like, I'm holding on to mine because I want to go back in a second time, right. knowing that I was stealing a spot from someone else. Right. Fully yeah. knowing what I was doing. But because I wanted to make different choices right. that time. So that's my question. Were, were people making different choices? So uh, so to bring people in, because I don't think we actually explained. When we did our first 
run of therapy and dreams we weren't planning on doing another weekend but very thankfully we sold out and had a lot of requests for more times and luckily with that space we could do a reprise so we went ahead and decided to run that and we just opened up tickets and asked if uh, who would like to come and we had a lot of people who'd gone through the first time that requested so we very specifically strategized okay we can let this many people in they need to do it on this night and we knew that they would be coming back in to try to take control and make their own choices. Yeah. So uh, to remind them that we are in control, uh, we, <laughs> we did really? not give them that <laughs> opportunity. So whereas the first show started with Hope, uh, this show started with Sniffles, and uh, which mm. is another character that I play. Which, boy, did that take some logistical... Oh, boy. So uh, it is a full costume change because I uh, my hair is very distinctive, and so I was wearing a wig, totally different kind of outfit. And so we had to plan it. So we had two people running. We call them Volume 1 and Volume 2 for the two different runs of the show. Mm. We had two people that came in for Volume 1, and then we had a 20-minute, half-hour break where I ran away while everyone else was handling everything. I put on press-on nails. I put on pounds of makeup and tore off my wig and change of clothes and so whereas for volume one you'd walk into a Fleetwood Mac song and some nice blue lights and a woman in bed uh this one you walked into it was a different Fleetwood Mac song it was a different Fleetwood Mac song uh, but the, the lighting, lighting was, was different. different no one was in bed and the room was a little disheveled so mm. they walked in and immediately had this sense of Oh, oh, oh shit. Up. It's changed. Yeah. yeah. And because, where the hell is it going? Right. right. Because, and, and we love that they wanted to go back through to pay more attention, but at the same time, it's like, oh, literally, you someone I better. lifted the blindfold off of went, oh. Yep. Yeah. And An that was so level. magical for me. I was like, yes, I knew yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah. every scene was slightly different. So the times where you would be like, oh, let's go ahead and take control of this. Uh, we turned it on its head just enough where you had to pay more attention to the new scenario than you could to using your knowledge of the prior scenario. Can I talk about the uh, boss man rock climber scene? Great. So we uh, decided for the intense extreme scene where we had boss man and rock climber in the workroom uh, to make it a safe word scenario where we planted another actor in there that looked as though he was one of boss man and rock climbers victims whereas before it was just the one audience member and mm-hmm. some people thought some people later um, recounted to us that they thought it was the person who had gone before them right <laughs> and so oh yeah which sorry I just, which yeah. all these which people, would have been a great idea right but. <laughs> but they all went through the <laughs> show we were like yeah. you know you, yeah. you know what this looks like so uh we planted an actor in there so that as soon as it comes off and they think that they're about to get a nice little rougher yeah. they um are shown a person on the ground who's panicked and hooded and then at one point we unbind them and tell them to hurt this person and then we call safe word and then the person called again. the safe word oh yes the, the person, person sitting called in the, the safe word the and then uh we turn the lights back on we simulate as though the show is over except for our audience member is getting a repeat oh yeah <laughs> She's responding to the look on my face. So, <laughs> um, but our audience is getting the repeat of exactly how they were taken out of the room the time before. And then I walked in as Arnold, who um, would have was been the just person running the, the show, person running the show, coming in to to greet the person who had just called the safe word, right. calm them down, get them the water. And the other actors are chastising the audience members, saying like, oh, "We we trusted you to not mess this up for us." Yada yada. Uh, while they're being they're they're being and accosted. I'm having to shush them and I'm say, "Come, yeah. we've got someone yeah. here who's a little shaken up." And they're we've being gotta... accosted with all this while going into the bar scene. So 
everything in the first, what is that, 15 minutes of the dream sequence is completely different. And yeah. then 12 and a half. Excuse me, our stage manager uh, <laughs> corrected me. Uh, and then the bar scene was quite a bit different, but it, we still needed that to be a moment to just connect and bring you back, especially because now... In now a you totally kind of don't different know. way, yeah. it was traumatizing. Yeah. Some people really found the safe word scene to be traumatizing in a way that they did not for the... The the second... So this is the part of me that's a little emotionally sadistic. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's an... What is that? Milgram experiment, right? You know, like, there's, there's this room here to Milgram experiment this stuff... And it's it's the classic thing where it, it's parodied in Ghostbusters, where the 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 eighty four one, where like you know you're, you're but you're supposed to be telling the person they're giving an electric shock, mm. and they're not really giving an electric right, shock; right. they're just acting like they're being shocked. Basically, what you guys did. Um, and there's all kinds of ethical questions that exist around it. But I gotta say, for like people who are like hardcore into the extreme horror stuff, I think like that's like. That's that's the first place my brain goes. It's like, oh, let's put you in charge. Yes. Like suddenly, like, well, how evil are you, right? Yes. You know, and then break the whole thing down and just like, I don't know, yeah. I don't know. It, it appeals to me greatly, and it, on some level, maybe it is a tiny bit wrong because you're pulling <laughs> the rug out of people so hard. Yeah. If, but at the same time, I will say, I think that it is all safe, right? It's just, oh, in their, yeah. it's all just in their oh, head. Yeah. That's the brilliant part of that. And, and, and where that, where that scene went, I, I, you know, and it, it will be clear when this is all over. There was some very specific intention to that scene um, that is very much in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there is a, um, a certain amount of art to kind of allowing it's like we hand the keys to the car over to the audience member for just a moment as a reminder you you know and and this sounds really pedantic but it's like you wanted to be in control we're going to give you that control for just a minute and then we're going to rip it back and we we hope that you're willing to hang in there with us i was fearful someone one of our audience members would call the safe word over the top of that and it would have just and and actually there was there was one who almost did and I'm so glad that didn't happen and you know because later on reflection I was like man I wish we could have ran that for everyone who went through the first show because Mm. it was so different and not just because of that scene I mean the subsequent scenes too played very differently it needed to happen as a result of the first run like there's a (laughs) I could I could have a wax poetic about this. Well, and, and by the way, that actor who played that um, character ended up on the bed next to our audience member, <laughs> and they what used to be the birth scene. It yeah. was now a heart transplant. Now a heart oh. transplant. Whoa! And Whoa. so it <laughs> so yeah. well, you know but theoretical there's, there's theater also, about but here's, that. But here's the thing, though. Like, I'll, I'll, put, I'll in a medicine, I'll talk to you guys about this. There's a danger here now for you guys as a company that you've set up an expectation for your audience that if 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 they buy two tickets to a single show, they're going to get... Terrifying. Again, this was... A, a, every time that happens, it will be because we have allowed it to happen. Uh, because and because it furthers the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But also because um, we, we are just faced with limits of time. Like our next few shows, we will not be able to do an extended weekend for. Um, and because we have such a large audience and so few spaces for tickets, we can't do that either. But in like we know that, and we're buying into this idea where if someone wants to buy two tickets, or, okay, well buckle up, like let's let's do it. You're signing up for it, and we're gonna rise to the challenge. Yeah. 
We hope. <laughs> um, so I think maybe. Although there, there's there's but but there is a there's a danger there. One on the rise of challenge, but two on it's it's the thing. And I know that you guys aren't seeing this as ARG, but mm. it's a thing that the, the ARG folks face, which is that you know, the audience starts finding ways to dictate the pace yes. of oh, development. Yeah. And, in, and, in and whether we see it as an ARG or not, some of our audience members still refer to it as that and yeah. treat it in that manner. Right. And that's fine. Yeah. I think that's part of what they're bringing to the experience. But, you know, I, I will say this has certainly, the pace has certainly been dictated by our audience. I mean, we, we planned on having this thing roll out over a much longer period of time and we've had to accelerate partly because the audience has been asking for so much and we've needed to meet that demand, yeah. but not have it compromise the story. So we're kind of like doing right. this dance. So here's and here's the way I'll put it: is yes, we did eventually have to speed it up and figure out. Oh, okay, well, this is when we need to start shows. That was a one-time moment of going. Okay, so what we thought we were getting into is looking a lot different. Let's figure out what we need this to look like. And okay, so then we were like, we need these three shows to happen. They're going to happen by March. And that was early on in, in once this all got started. But since then, whenever people want to push, like think of it as like a train. And you start at the back in one train car. Everyone else wants to run to the front of the train. Is this and so, now? No, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so what we're doing is, is whereas... Like, let's say in the scenario, they would think that they have one thing to do in that room and then they've accomplished it and then they can move on to the next one. We're saying, no, you have to be in this train car for 10 days. So when you get one thing done, all right, let's find something else for you to do in this car. So then they may end up doing 10 things in that one car. So we need to figure out how to make that happen in this one part of the story. But we are in control still of how quickly we're pressing forward. And does that make sense? It does make, it does make sense. So and the larger concepts yeah. hold are, are staying right. in our control. Right. And I feel but the need to keep qualifying what, what you're, what A is saying when, when it's like, you know, we're in control. I, I think make no mistake. I think we, um, we recognize there is a certain amount of not controlling it that we have signed up for, yes, right. but there is this sort of story that needs to be told. And there's a set of emotions and a set of kind of, um, a comment, a comment on sort of the narrative that has to come out at certain junctures, and yes. whether the audience wants it to come out sooner or not, we've had to very delicately, and and it might, it I think it frustrates some ARG members yeah. or folks who are more familiar with or have spent a lot more time in that community, um, because it, and there are some audience members who maybe are a lot more sort of the gamer crowd who really want it to be a sort of. Um, specific sequence that they can then sort of solve for. Right. And we've had to kind of say, well, just sit back and let it happen and we'll get there. And some things will unfold yeah. in the time frame you want them. Yeah. And some things will unfold in the time frame we want them and we will have a conversation. Yeah, there's, some, there's something about, you know, and, and it's weird because ARGs existed before Netflix binging did. Mm. But there's there's the Netflix binge yeah. and like the, the first ARG. And for those, those who heard the tension episode there you know exactly where i'm going to go you're talking about the ARG that happened for ai which is called the beast or cloud makers mm -hmm. and you know they they built what they thought was what six months worth of content and, and they, they blew through it in a day right and then they were just racing 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 now the people who've gone on to that you know went to do define the genre they've also done other brilliant things with their lives designed exploding kittens the whole nine yards but the 
the the sort of lesson I took out of that is that there's actually other ways to do episodic. And as someone who's really into episodic, mm-hmm. uh, who who likes his television shows and likes to watch them one at a time and then talk about it with people afterwards and have that connection, mm-hmm. you know, or goes in for his weekly comic book stash, I I know the impulse of like, oh, I just can we just get to this part of the story? Mm-hmm. And it's actually in comic books, it's really bad because it'll billboard something out. Like the big crossover is coming in three months. It's right. going to change everything. Right. And you get frustrated with it. But that's also how you stay freaking hooked on that yeah. property yeah. for decades. Yep. Because there's always something billboarded down the line. Yeah. And you know if I can just get if I can just get to that. And yeah. then everything else is like a, a drip and a drab, you know, your right. your normal hit. Well, and, yeah, and, and I think something kind of coming back to sort of the have you seen Jake narrative, there is so much about this that's about relationship and memory mm. and the way we've um, charted our course through relationships over time and um, all relationships move at a pace that we alone can't control um, so in that way if this is a conversation and we're asking you to come into an experience and immerse yourself in it we're also asking you to allow us to have an opinion and for you to have an opinion and we may move at different paces but that is relationships. And so it's kind of this, and I hate to sound really theoretical or philosophical about this, but that's what we do here. It, you know, it yeah. is, it is sort of that dialogue and yeah. that yeah. that's going to move at a different pace for different and, people. And to go. And so for instance, if we gave this to everyone like the Netflix binge, and I don't know about you, but when I binge through 15 episodes of something afterwards, I go, wow, that was cool, but I'm not changed. No, I, I can go. I can tweet. Well, I'm so changed by by a series of unfortunate events. So whatever. Only time for me was Kimmy Schmidt. For some reason, the first season of Kimmy Schmidt did that for me, and I was like, "Wow, I'll never be the same again." All right, so Kimmy Schmidt is the uh, one exception, but the exception, rule, but right. the rule remains. So exactly. So so there's worth to us in in making them wait. That like it's it's saying I know I know you want it so bad and we want to to give this and we want you to experience it, but you have to sit with it for a minute. Please yeah. just just sit with it for a Talk minute. Talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, I'll yeah. give you a topic. The Take show you just saw. Yeah, right. Take a moment. The yeah. the character Blue, who most often interacts with folks through text or mm-hmm. email or sometimes on social media, um, oh. and and occasionally has popped in here or there. Um, the that character will often remind people, you know, more heart, less head. And I think mm-hmm. it's sort of this idea of the way you're going to get to finding Jake is going to be letting your emotional experience be equal to your intellectual yeah. desire to solve it. I want to, we, we've been, we've been at this for a while, um, which is great. Cause like I, I monitor, I monitor time just to make sure like the computer hasn't like fallen asleep or something like that. And we went, I think we did like 35 minutes without me looking up. Cause I was, I was like, wow, that's amazing. Um, and, and we've gone really, really deep on the show, which I absolutely love. But I also know that like, um, you know, not everyone's seen the show. I think there's a lot of lessons in here for folks who are, who are looking to make stuff. There's threads to pull out. Uh, that are that are real, which I'm I'm super excited that we've managed to do that with the material. Let's take a step back a sure. bit, and there's two other big chunks I want to get into, but we'll do them kind of truncated. Um, what led you guys into the rabbit hole of doing this kind of immersive stuff in the first place? What was the inspiration? There's only the two of you here. You can't necessarily talk for all six, but how did you get wrapped up in it? I can go ahead and start. Let's start. You can start. Yeah. So a lot of it was, 
I, I think we all wanted to do something immersive in art in some way, but it was just, and, and yeah, of course, every time you make a new kind of art, it comes out of a frustration or a need that's not being met, right? And, and we all really wanted to find a way to connect with people. And again, this is going to be pretentious and almost a cliche, but we wanted to find a new way to connect with people and almost to bring it back to bedtime stories to, to tell them a bedtime story with a moral and and to and to i don't know spend and some to do time that with them in it yeah. and yes. and i think yes. it was sort of this idea i mean you know several of the many of the organizers have spent a lot of time in the immersive um community but not everyone has the same level of experience with immersive um theater and but everyone um of the six bring a a, a talent and an art to the experience whether it's photography or poetry or music or um and I think it was this collaboration where we had all been talking a lot about some of our immersive theater experiences and saying you know how do we take that just a different direction Mm -hmm. and do it in a way that might um test or almost experimentally kind of test the boundaries a little bit and and draw people into art not just the theater art, but also right. all these other art forms that we're trying to introduce. And y- you may not have had as much of the benefit of some of them because I think, you know, we sometimes have a hard time reaching you by phone. Um, but, you know, there's <laughs> there's really amazing, phone. I mean, there's talented, you know, um, uh, folks on our team who are bringing, you know, um, voice and the spoken word and poetry and, you know, all of these things to bear in the experience that I think we very deliberately wanted to bring all of that into this, but then allow our audience members to bring their unique talents and their individual experiences so that the kind of emotional thread is sort of intertwined with the art that, that the organizers wanted to bring. Immersive theater was the most logical channel for all of that, that we wanted to accomplish. And thankfully the LA scene is, is getting vibrant. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, and so it just, it, it was just the moment. It was the time and it was exactly the project that we all could feed our talents into as varied and diverse as they are and that we wanted to commit time to. And it's really, we wanted to commit our time to people and spending time looking at and getting responses from people on art as it went. And, and what other place, I mean, it's fascinating to think like you we, we get this amazing opportunity to get real-time feedback mm-hmm. and from the participants as they're going through it, immediately after they go through it, as they're chatting about it on social media, in all these different ways. And it's like a gift that I don't know that you can get in other art forms in the same way. I mean, yeah, you can, you know, go do a, a book reading and, you know, engage with some folks for a passage you've read, but, but, but not, it's not but as not, it's being created. Yeah. And you can't, you can't feed it back in, right? right. So there's this like yeah. iterative, almost algorithmic function, right? And so like, I mean, usually talk about algorithms in terms of computers, but yeah. literally what it means is like, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's, you know, it's a formula. And then yeah. if you're iterating on it, then you take the result of that you got then you plug it back into the formula and see what you get. And that's how you wind up with something totally yeah. freaking crazy. J- Joni Mitchell once made a comment about the difference between painters and musicians and said something about, you know, you're never going to say to Van Gogh, you know, paint a starry night again, man. Yeah. And, you know, it, I mean, I think in some ways it's like that's t- taking this to one more level. Like musicians do have a different level of engagement with the audience and can kind of recraft it and play it over and over again and keep reinventing their their music. But I think 
the level of influence from the audience is just so vibrant in this immersive experience. And, and another thing that I wanted to be sure to mention is that we also loved that we got to play with uh, more literal senses, like the, the, the like five senses, and, and getting to play with touch as a form of communication in mm. all of this. And yeah. uh, just as a quick playback on this to our show, like... Which, we... which oh, by the way, I think is really uh, a, one of the distinctions from kind of the haunt kind of extreme haunt community where we certainly brought elements forward and you called that out in in your review and thank you for for the um, write-up by the way um the we certainly draw from that but i think it was only to further the story and not just because we wanted to go bam here's something horrifying well and it makes and it makes it makes sense in the context of dreams that some part of it would be a nightmare right and in terms of the makeup of the audience you know the the haunt community is the haunt community pre-exists the immersive theater community in the Southland, and you're hitting the nail on the head yeah. with that. Yeah. And and so there's going to be like if if anything, the difficulty is getting folks who like expect like I'm expecting to be like gassed, you know, <laughs> and get them to like you know oh there's a bunch of animal heads like yeah. you know and I'm yeah. doing a we call scene. those our spicy level tens <laughs> who want to get gassed. Uh, yeah. Uh, but and, no, and we're not gassing anyone. No, yes, no, no, not no. for this show, but not I've this had, season. But I've had, I've had casual conversations with people, like you know, like describing like extreme haunts, and, and like oh, I'll say like I'll, oh yeah, and it's one show. And then they waterboarded, and like they've never done. They they had done like they gone like creep, and that's why I was talking to them. Mm. And I told them about this other stuff, and they're like, oh, I want to be waterboarded. I was like, okay, you want heretic? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I know I know who to hook you up with. Right. I'm sure you do. Right. Um. And and yeah, and that's the kind of thing I'm very much like. Like yeah, you know, like. Not don't need my, it. you know, don't don't and, need know where it would go, but like. And yeah. here's the thing, like I, I make no judgment. I mean, you know, I've, I've been oh, yeah. to heretic shows, and I've really loved those experiences. But I also feel like um, we all have sort of a different. I mean, the, the the talent that we can bring to this is very different than what others are bringing to it, and yeah. I think it would be irresponsible of us to try to do something that we're not sort of capable or equipped yeah. of doing. And as storytellers, it would be irresponsible just to throw something in for the sake of you know, right. shocking our audience as opposed to having it sort of fit the narrative in a way that yet yeah, will be revealed. But, oh, yeah. yeah. It, it, that's going to play a large... That scene specifically and, and what that brings to light is going to play a large role in our next two shows. Let's talk about the future. Yeah. Um, fire, water, water and fire. And fire. Water and fire. Water. Um, sold out at this point? Yes. Unfortunately, we are all out of tickets. Well, fortunately. Yeah. Um, yesterday, today, and tomorrow sold out yet we have some availability left our best i think the most is friday and then we've got um and it's really just a handful of tickets left on friday um i think there's saturday is pretty much sold out um and maybe sunday we can squeeze a couple folks in but i I would say contact us soon because it's um we're we're really working hard to accommodate as many as we can given how this episode has gone i imagine we'll probably be like airing this sooner rather than later so there might still be a chance but even by the time you hear this it may it may be gone already we'll we'll for yesterday we'll, today and tomorrow yeah, yeah we'll we'll ping that um you started this in september you wound up doing the show way sooner than you thought you would you're gonna have the cycle done by march mm-hmm. clearly you need some downtime but given the response you've had mm-hmm. Do you see yourselves now as a company and moving forward? Oh, yes. And and our company name is Nocturnal Fandango. 
uh, and we will, of course, be moving forward. And this year was very much experimental, just in to see how exactly we want to fit into this form. Not not like experimental and like well, we're just figuring out how to do art. Like we all we all knew how to put on a show in a lot of ways, but it was. Uh, learning how our audience wanted to engage with us. That's going to be something for us to really sit and process on uh, once all this is done. But in, in a lot of our talks for plans for our next season, uh, I, I specifically, A, have been putting a big kibosh on that. I'm like, no, we are not talking about next season. We have two more shows. Focus um, on the present. <laughs> right, <laughs> we'll right. And we'll get yeah. to the next part. Uh, but there is a next part yeah. that is coming. What that's going to look like, uh, we're not at liberty to start sharing. Um, but And, and okay. we're, Nocturnal Fandagos at 501c3 pending um, yep. IRS approvals, which we are very uh, confident in. Um, and part of the mission is really this kind of experimental, immersive um theater and kind of contributing to the art form as well as sort of benefiting um, underprivileged youth and folks who are pursuing um, arts as a, yeah. as a future. So I think, you know, there's a mission here that's going to carry us forward into other projects because we want to be able to bring something back to the community. Right. We'll put that as the button. I hope to have you guys back on the show once the cycle of Jake is, is done and maybe we can frame certain things different sure. dig down other oh, layers but be really fun this was but actually like we went we went farther down certain rabbit holes than i thought we were going to like, going into <laughs> this so this was a most excellent time so yeah, thanks okay. a thank you guys thank and, you and um, thank you and we'll do this again soon <laughs> Once again, I want to thank A and K for being our guests on the show this week. You can check out the show. Okay, again. Once again, I want to thank A and K for being our guests on the show this week. You can check out Have You Seen Jake at haveyouseenjake.com. There are still some tickets left for the final show. Uh, there, there sadly will not be an extension of the second show. It's just not going to work out that way. Um, I think we may have mentioned that in the show. I'm just trying to remember. Um, but check them out and keep an eye on the company. Uh, more on that later. And hopefully I'll have them back after the show's run its course and we'll, we'll do like a postmortem on the show. Um, just super great people. Super um, fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of them as human beings now. Um, and yeah, I don't say that stuff lightly. All right. The details for everything else. Music for the episode is Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. Hi, Chris. Hope you're having a good day at work. Um, <laughs> what? I know he listens to it at work. Um, you can contact us at uh, the easiest way is you go to nopersenium.com and you find all the links. Um, at nopersenium is us, us on Twitter, if you can still handle Twitter. I know it's not easy. I'm on Twitter at Noah J. Nielsen. I feel like I've transcended and I can handle it now again. Like it doesn't, it doesn't unnerve me the way it's been unnerving me lately. Um, you can email us. Email is exceptionally important because that's how you tell us about your shows. That's how you tell us about the things you find. Oh my God. So important. No underscore proscenium at outlook.com. And we want to hear uh, what you think and what you're up to. Uh, we should really do like a regular reader mail thing uh, just on individual episodes. Well, let's think about that. 
Patreon. The Patreon, which I really talked about this episode. So, so valuable uh, to keeping us moving forward. Patreon.com slash no proscenium. Every little bit helps, helps improve the show, helps make it possible for us to do even more. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart, those of you who jump in. The Medium Collection, we still write things, we still write reviews. I got to get into a groove of writing on the more regular. Medium.com slash no dash proscenium. Yeah, I know. I don't love it either. Um, Those are all the ways to find us. It is the end of January. February is looking full. March is going to pop off. Uh, you know, so we we had a very short little uh, winter, if you will, uh, and we're back in the thick of it again. Um, there's so much going on. Uh, you know, this weekend, oh, my, I didn't even talk about this weekend. You know, Disco Dining Club, uh, Micro Theater LA. There's just stuff. There's stuff. Next week on the show, Abel Horwitz of Serial killer speed dating. It's going to be a blast. The week after that and the week after that, we've already gotten the can. It's amazing. Everything, everything's moving forward. It's, it's exciting. It's exciting. Before we close up the show completely, I once again want to thank the guys at Think Tank for being our hosts for the podcast. ThinkTankGallery.org at ThinkTankDTLA on Twitter. They have their own most excellent podcast. Artist Real Talk. You can find it on iTunes. Uh, they were crazy enough to let me be a guest on the show recently. So if your favorite part of this show is when I just talk and talk and talk, oh boy, uh, first, will you be my friend? And second of all, it's probably cheaper just to listen to that episode of the podcast, Artist Real Talk. Um, yeah, that's it. We have a very busy schedule. Again, next week on the show, Abel's going to be on. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be out in the field. Until then, until next time, I'll see you at the show. <laughs>